Please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. The passage may be found in your pew Bibles on page 874. I will be reading from the English Standard Version, which is the translation that Pastor Wes Holland will be preaching from. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. May God bless to our understanding this reading from his holy word. Let's pray. O Lord our God, our good shepherd. Uh, shepherd our hearts into the green pastures of your word. I pray that uh, we would um, feast upon the Lord Jesus Christ this morning by faith. I ask in his name. Amen. All right, there will not be many, that is a very rare occurrence uh, for me to use the video, but that, that little snippet teaches us so much about this passage, seems so appropriate as we are looking at the parable of the lost sheep. You know, I gave Rose the, the title of the lost sheep a, a few weeks back, but as I studied the passage it became clear to me that the emphasis is on the shepherd rather than the sheep. And given the opportunity, I would retitle this sermon, The Searching Shepherd. Uh, If you will remember, uh, as we finished uh, Luke 14, uh, Jesus was preaching on the costliness of discipleship. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross cannot, uh, I'm sorry, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. This sermon that Jesus preached to the crowds had a winnowing effect It separated uh, the peoples. Surely many people turned back from following Jesus at this point. But it also had the effect of drawing in many people. And we see 
the effects of that drawing in verse 1. Look and see. Look at verse 1. See who is drawn to the Lord Jesus. Verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. Uh, I think you understand who the tax collectors were how they were hated by the Jewish people, how they were considered turncoats um, because they were lining the, the pockets of, um, of the Romans. They were also lining their own pockets, uh, unfairly charging uh, the people more than they should have been charging. And then sinners, well, that was just kind of a catch-all for people who were living ungodly lives. Now, not surprisingly, the Pharisees and the scribes, well, they were offended. Uh, They believed that contact with the unrighteous would contaminate them. So as they are drawing near to hear Jesus, as the, the, the tax collectors and sinners are drawing near to hear Jesus and to follow him, the Pharisees and the scribes, they grumbled against Jesus. And they were, try- they were putting the worst possible spin on Jesus' ministry, saying in verse 2, And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so... Jesus, in response to the grumbling of the Pharisees and the scribes, he told the parable of lost sheep. Verse 3, so he told them this parable. Now, the parable of the lost sheep is really a short sermon on Ezekiel uh, chapter 34. Ezekiel 34 begins by saying, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not the shepherds feed the sheep? And he goes on uh, for several verses, uh, just raking the unfaithful shepherds of Israel over the coals. And Jesus is saying to the Pharisees and the scribes, you are those, faith, those unfaithful shepherds. God goes on in Ezekiel 34, illustrating the unfaithfulness of the shepherds of Israel. Uh, he makes, so what God does is he makes promises to do what the unfaithful shepherds uh, were refusing to do. In Ezekiel 34, 11, God says, I myself will, sh- will search for my sheep. Verse 12, he goes on, I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered. Verse 16, he says, I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak. And then in verse 22, God says, I will rescue my flock, they shall no longer be a prey. The Lord Jesus is not, it's not just pulling the, the parable of the lost sheep out of his hat. Rather, he's preaching a sermon here on, um, on um, Exodus, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 34. 
and, um, and applying it very personally to the Pharisees and the scribes. So the parable of the lost sheep is really a devastating evaluation of the Pharisees' lack of compassion for the lost. They should have been the ones seeking out the lost. Instead, they were drawing back in fear that they would be contaminated by the tax collectors and the sinners. But it also, this parable of the sheep not only condemns the Pharisees and scribes, but it also so gloriously, so wonderfully reveals to us God's great heart for his wandering sheep. And I pray that this sermon might be very encouraging to you as the good shepherd goes after the one that is lost until he finds it. He's not going to go home. He's not going to quit early. He's not going to stop when it gets dark. He's not going to turn around when it starts raining. He pursues and he pursues and he pursues until he finds it. Verse 4. Now the video of the sheep jumping back into the ditch, well, this is just an apt illustration for what sheep are. Uh, They're not very bright They become easily disoriented. They can quickly uh, and easily get lost from the flock. And then once they wander away, they are utterly defenseless from the attacks from other animals. In fact, they're kind kind of chubby. They're not real swift. And so they can't even run away like a deer. Uh, they're, They're just vulnerable. Therefore... Sheep are often used as illustrations for our spiritual condition. Isaiah um, is saying in Isaiah 53, verse 6, that all mankind has wandered away from God when he says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And you look at our world. Look Look at just any given day. Look at the direction of the nations. Um, Just as a as a as as human beings, we're just wandering aimlessly through life. God has given us so many wonderful things to enjoy in this life, and people these days are just facebooking and Netflixing their lives away. purposelessly living their lives one day after another. And the nations of the earth are ruled by corrupted and greedy, power-hungry leaders that do not care for their citizens. We look at the major uh, educational institutions that are charged with educating our society, and they cannot even identify what is truth. Even the citizenry of the different nations have, have lost our way in regard to the basic importance of the family. We are just like, just like sheep wandering in the dangerous wilderness. And we are easy prey for Satan, who is like a roaring beast ready to devour us. 
easy targets. You know, we instinctively know that something's wrong, very wrong, but we are so lost that just like the sheep, we don't know our way back. So God has taken the initiative to seek us out. He's so concerned about that lost sheep that he's willing to leave behind the 99 in the open country, it says in verse 4, to go and search everywhere until he finds it. Verse 4, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? How does God search for us? If he's out there looking for the lost, how does he search for us? Well, he sent his own son, Jesus Christ. John chapter 6, verses 38 through 40, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the loss on the last day. Say, so, well, I have a tendency to wander off. Well, if you have a tendency to wander off, he will not let you go if you belong to him. Romans 5, 6 and 8. While we were still weak, at the right time Christ died from the ungodly. God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 8 says that um, nothing under all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And it's his love for us. It's his grip on us. God has a grip on you, and he will not let go. No matter where we've wandered, no matter how fast we have run from Christ, he will seek his sheep, and he will not come home without them. Charles Spurgeon, uh, my, my favorite preacher, he lived in the 19th century in London, and he had such an imagination, he would devise these long conversations, completely made up, based on Scripture, but completely made up, and often these times these conversations would, would be between God and, um, and, uh, and people. Sometimes it would be between the, the persons of the Godhead. Well, he, had a, uh, he made up a conversation between Satan and Jesus as Jesus, who is the good shepherd, was out looking for the lost. And so I'm not going to repeat everything he says because it was long, but basically late one afternoon, Jesus was tirelessly looking for his wandering sheep. But before he could bring it home, he was confronted by Satan. And so Satan claims that the wandering sheep belong to him because the wilderness is his domain. But Jesus held out his nail-scarred hands. Uh, to indicate that the sheep had been branded by his blood. Therefore, they belonged to him. So then Satan switched tactics by trying to wrestle with, with Jesus in spiritual combat. But of course, 
Jesus wins. Satan is defeated. So next, Satan suggests that he will give up most of the sheep, but insist on keeping one little lamb for himself. The devil points out how weak and small this little lamb is. He suggests it will be it will likely be of very little use in Christ's kingdom. In fact, such a weak lamb will struggle so much that it will likely be a blight on the beautiful flock that the good shepherd has gathered to himself. But Jesus responds, and quoting Spurgeon here, saying, Sooner than lose one of them, I will die again and shed my blood one more time to buy it back. All that my Father gave me, I will raise. It's so common for God's little lambs to become discouraged. Because, face it, we've all wandered away from the flock from time to time. We've all chosen our own path um, without giving due consideration to our Lord Jesus. And our Lord Jesus, the Good Shepherd, has had to come and find us more than once, many times. We've all wondered why Jesus continues to put up with us. We've all thought, I'm such a sinner. Why does he still love me? Does he really still love me? I want you to look at verse 4. I want you to drink in verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? He cares as much for that poor lamb who has wandered off than he does for the whole rest of the flock. We might even be tempted to say that in the parable it appears that he loves that wandering sheep even more than the 99 because he left the 99 behind in the open country to find the one. If you belong to Jesus, I want to remind you this morning, your Savior loves you deeply. If you belong to Jesus, you belong to him forever. He will not let you go, but he will pursue you until he brings you home. That is the gospel. Believe the promises of God when you are in the throes of discouragement. What does he do when he finds the lost sheep? Well, he lays the sheep on his shoulders. Verse 5. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. Presumably the sheep is exhausted by its wanderings um, away from the flock and is too weak to walk back home. So the shepherd has draped this sheep around his neck, firmly grasped his four legs together in front of him, And then he begins the long, long, long walk home. You know, a full-grown sheep 
weighs over 100 pounds. That, that sheep that the guy pulled out at the beginning of the video was a pretty hefty sheep. Can you imagine hefting that thing on your shoulders and carrying it home? And on a trip to St. Louis, Mandy and I shared a suitcase so that we would not have to pay uh, for an extra bag. And uh, the weight limit was, was 50 pounds. They put it on the scale. It was 49 and a half pounds. That bag was heavy. I can't imagine lifting that thing and carrying it on my shoulders. Much less something twice the weight that is alive and is moving and walking for who knows how long, maybe miles. Verse 5 reminds me of Psalm 28, verse 9. Where David cries, Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. You know, Jesus does not just put us on his back and carry us back to the flock and then dumps us in the middle of all the others. But he carries us forever. You are secure in Christ because you are, figuratively speaking, draped around his neck. Therefore, nothing will be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. They've got to go through Jesus to get to you. And it's his love for you rather than your love for him that is at issue in Romans 8, verse 39. The Christian life is a long and wearying path. But if you are draped over your your Savior's neck, where will your head be, figuratively speaking? Nestled in right next to his ear. You know, we often struggle to pray. But if he is so willing to search for you and then carry you home and carry you forever, please realize how eager he is to hear you whisper your request into his ears in prayer. When he has given you a promise, plead that promise to him. Stay in his ear, to use the the modern vernacular. Don't give him rest until he fulfills his promise. He meant to fulfill his promises to you. Otherwise, he would not have given you his promises. Use the grace of prayer. Keep in God, in Jesus' ear about what he has promised to you. Take it to the bank. Jesus cares, carried more than your body weight. He carried the full burden of all our sins. Every one of your sins, every one of my sins, rested, draped over his shoulders when he was nailed to the cross. I quoted Isaiah 56, uh, 53, 6 earlier, but I only quoted half the verse. The full verse reads, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
He bore our iniquities in order that he might bear the full measure of God's wrath in our place. Listen to 1 Peter 5, 2, verses uh, 24 and 25. Basically says the same thing. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Do not, do not wander aimlessly through life trying to fill your soul with pleasure or satisfaction in anything other than your good Savior who is willing to carry your sins in his body before the Father in order that he might suffer and die for you. By his wounds you can be healed and delivered from the emptiness and desperation that goes along with living in this world. You know, many think of Jesus as being perpetually angry at our sins and therefore continually disappointed in us. But notice his mood at the end of, um, of, um, of verse 5. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, doing what? Rejoicing. He was so happy. In fact, that when he got home, he threw a party, verse 6. And when he comes home, he calls together all his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Jesus was happy when he was bringing his sheep home around his neck. What should characterize your emotions? Well, um, we should rejoice along with him because we have been found by our good and gracious Savior. You know, many, when they are struggling, they stay away from church. They go have their pity party. They think that because they have to repent that it makes Jesus unhappy. So by staying home and not coming to church, they're hiding from Jesus until they get everything worked out in their life, until they fix uh, what they've done. Um, And I want to tell you, that's stinking thinking. Enter into his joy. The pathway into joy always begins at the gate of repentance. Jesus loves it when we repent. Not only does Jesus rejoice, but verse 7 says that all the angels in heaven rejoice and celebrate over one, more over one sinner who repents than the 99 who need no repentance. And of course, the 99 who need no repentance, that's a little irony, a little dig at the Pharisees and scribes who think that they don't need to repent. Listen to verse 7. Jesus says, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. When you sin against God, 
keep a short account. In other words, go to him immediately. Ask him for forgiveness. Repent. Jesus rejoices when you repent. Embrace a life of repentance that leads to joy because you are embraced by your good shepherd who is carrying you into his joy. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we are perpetually, continually draped around your shoulders. We have easy access to your ear. You are holding us tight, uh, close to your heart. Oh, Lord, we love you so much because you first loved us. Oh, God, the world is so offended even by the mention of your name, much less the preaching and proclamation of your gospel. Oh, Lord, I pray that the world would come to see how loving, how merciful, how gracious uh, you are towards your sheep. Lord, I pray that uh, the world that is wandering aimlessly and in rebellion against you, Lord, that you would bring the sinners home. Lord, for those who are struggling here this morning, I pray that you would remind them that they are draped over his loving shoulders. Lord, help us to love repentance because we love our Lord Jesus who loves us so much. We ask in his name. Amen.